the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is everybody ready? Are you ready, Ken? Are you ready, Elizabeth? I'm here. Then Good morning, Ken. Go. Morning. Dun, dun, dun. Be, we can do a little ballroom blitz here. That'd be a good way to How, see. Heidi, isn't that amazing? I just called in some some cultural stuff for people. Do you like that song? Yeah, it's a great song. I'm surprised. That'll you wake even, you up. I'm surprised you even <laughs> know about the ballroom blitz. That's a while back. It's late 70s, early 80s, I guess. Late 70s, I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. Good music is good music. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And it's a good song. It is. Ready, Steve? (laughs) Anyway, enough. Enough. Ken, you look downtrodden today. Are you feeling beaten? No, I Yesterday was a beautiful day. It was 73 degrees yesterday. I'm not about beautiful. It was humid. Oh, it was a good day. Now, please don't complain about the humidity when it's seventy-three degrees. I, just, I need it to. St- if it's going to be winter, I need it to stay winter. No, I guess just doesn't. There's no need for a tease. Well, it's going to tease you again today. It was sixty-three today. It's it's a whole lot easier to get out and walk. I'm just telling you because I do two miles a day. I think it's back to the forties and rain tomorrow. On. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I don't have to walk tomorrow, but that if it rains. Then that means I got to go out to the garage and I got to lift. So I do six days. Hey, a week. snow flurries! Snow flurries in the morning. Tomorrow? They said on my weather. Now, I hadn't looked 20, at it this morning. I know it's supposed to be twenty-five. In for some a, areas of northern Arkansas, like up in the mountains, that's oh, where they're okay. well, getting Not here. Not here. I don't want it. Look, I grew up. Well, with I am snow. north I don't of Little Rock. <laughs> don't want any more snow. Don't. I'm, I had enough of it growing up. We haven't really had any snow. I, I, I just know, wanted, and I'm oh, glad. Uh, we I'm need glad. a good snow, like a good six inches. Yeah, I got to talk to you yep. about something. Ken Yang is the uh, the head of the Saline County uh, Republican Party now. He's the chairman down there. Congratulations again on that. Thank you, because you had told me about that. And uh, Elizabeth Altolaro is here with me. Elizabeth does a lot of things behind the scenes that. No one ever sees. Uh, well, you see it, but you don't know it's her. Uh, she keeps up my my uh, Facebook page, and she posts things for me, and she uh, hears a story or, or something, and, and she sends it to me, and then we, we, we you know, I, I talk about it. And she does a lot. She is, she is literally my right and half-left arm, arm woman. 
It's awesome. She's a good one to have. She does a great job. She really does. You're very kind. I think, well, no, no, I'm not kind. I'm just telling people the truth. Okay, go ahead. You can tell Ken. Go ahead and tell him. Well, I just want to let Ken know. I just learned last night, Mr. Ken, that you're the new chair of the Saline County (laughs) uh, GOP, and I am so excited about that. I appreciate that. I think you're... Young blood. Yes, absolutely. And we we, uh, just elected a bunch of new blood last night in Faulkner County as well. Do you know Jason Bollinger? Yes, I know. He is our new chairman. Jason's... uh, I was told Jason was going to be the new chairman, and I think that's great. His brother's a... JP up in Northwest Arkansas. They're actually twins. Yep. They're they're wonderful people. Okay, wonderful, now, and are, we've got they, young are, new blood. Now wait a second. Are, they, are these twin guys? Are they? Are they? You look at them, you can't tell the difference. Are I like, would say so. I like the brother property brothers. Yeah, Is that yeah what I would like? say so. Yeah. So they could yeah. like switch places if they wanted. Yeah, to? Jason and Joseph. Yeah, they could. They could. The one could go up and be JP. One could come down and run the <laughs> run the county committee. <laughs> That'd be crazy. That would be crazy. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyway. I went to school with some twins that used to do that. A couple of gals I knew, and they they literally did what I call cross date. They dated each other's boyfriends and messed with everybody's head. The teachers couldn't tell them apart. Well, see, that's good when you do that to the boyfriends because then you know where the boyfriend really stands. <laughs> oh yeah, they were they were bad girls. <laughs> yeah, you can get all kinds of get all kinds of news. So, what was their name? Do you remember? One of them was Pam. I'm not sure the other. I remember what they looked like. They were you know really cute gals, blonde, looked um, I mean totally alike. No one could tell tell them apart, and they used to mess with everybody. Okay, now they, you know, their friends, was, their, was their boyfriends, their teachers. Down in Pine Bluff, yeah, okay. yeah, they were they were notorious. <laughs> are they still are they still in Arkansas? I have no idea. I have seen very few of my classmates. Uh, it's been a few years, Dave. Well, it's been a few years for them. me too. We're we're having. Yeah. they're talking about this next one is our fiftieth high school reunion. Wow! And wow. They're, they're saying it's not possible. <laughs> I know it's, that's what they say, but it is, and uh, it's going to be sometime this year. It, believe it or not, it's going to be at, at a restaurant that you always went to when I was a kid. Uh, oh, whenever you're going to have a spe- a special occasion, and and they're still they're o- they're still open, they're still puttering along and doing great work up there, and uh, that would be out in Sherville. So we're going to go out there and have our fiftieth class reunion. I just got a note from uh, one of the guys, Tim Foss, who's a good buddy of mine used to be a park ranger is retired now and he's helping get everything set up and uh, i guess that's that's because the uh, one of the women who are working on this i didn't like her when i was in high school she still doesn't like me now and uh, <laughs> you know she calls me a white supremacist on her facebook page all the time oh, Lord. so you know it's that 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 will be an interesting evening, I'm sure, because I'll make sure I walk up and say hi. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> how you doing? But I'm looking. How's I'm it working for forward. you? Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward <laughs> to seeing it because, you know, I want to see if all the kids that really had it supposedly going air quotes going uh, during their high school years succeeded like they thought they were. There's there's some of them I want to talk yeah. to. I mean, some of them stay stuck in high school. I feel like. Well, yeah, and that's true. <laughs> now, that really is that. There's more truth to that than yeah. fiction. Uh, some people that they want to live like that, and they 
they try to treat people like they did when they were in high yes, school, yep. and they didn't treat people in high school nicely. That's right. You know, you were I could under, weigh in on that one. <laughs> yeah, you, were under, you were under their thumb. That's the way it kind of went. All right, so today the big topic, and, and uh, we'll get ready to talk about it, but we'll take our first break before we do, and that is uh, Sarah finally announced yesterday yeah. that she's going to run for governor. Uh, everybody thought it was a foregone conclusion, and I said it ain't a foregone conclusion until she announces. So it was a foregone conclusion because she announced yesterday. Uh, and then uh, you've got Tim still in the race, and you've got Leslie in the race. We don't know if, if Hendren is going to stick his toe in the water as an independent or not. Uh, we'll have to talk a little bit about that here in the next few minutes. But when we come back, I did this yesterday. I want to do it again today. I want you each to tell me, for each candidate, what their Achilles heel is. They each have one. I, I firmly believe that. They each have a very weak spot. Uh, that uh, we'll see if the other candidate can, um, you know, use it to their benefit. So we'll talk about all of that here in a moment. Plus, we're going to talk about the uh, articles in, of impeachment were, were read again in the Senate yesterday. Man. Will they actually go through with an unconstitutional impeachment? I'm trying to get on. You're going to like this, uh, Elizabeth. I'm trying to get Nadelson on uh, this week. Our, uh, yeah, Mister Mister, I know everything about the Constitution that you don't know, nanny nanny boo boo. Uh, we're going to have him on <laughs> and talk to him and see if this is even legal. I don't think it is unity. I think, yeah, I think it's not. <laughs> I think it's totally unconstitutional. So we'll talk about it. Tom Cotton said he he wants nothing to do with it. The Supreme Court Justice Roberts said he wouldn't have anything to do with it. And now they're going to put, uh, what's that guy from up there in the East name that uh, is supposedly going to act? Can he, I mean, under, Leahy. Yeah, Leahy. Leahy. I mean, under the Constitution, can he even preside over a, uh, uh, an impeachment? I doubt it. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's going to be the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Nadelson's going to be fun to talk to. This. Okay, let's take our break, then we're going to come back. We're looking, what are the weak spots in Leslie Rutledge, in, in Sarah Sanders, and in Tim Griffin? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know I'm in deep thought, for all you folks on Facebook, when I'm sitting over here and I'm playing with the bottom <laughs> of my goatee. You know I'm deep thought. I already knew what I was going to say about what I thought the Achilles heel for each three of the each one of the three candidates right now for um, GOP uh, governor, you know, they're they're out there. They're going to carry. They want to carry the banner into the twenty twenty two race, and it's not that far away now. I mean, we're looking May of twenty twenty two. Correct. That's the primary, and uh, I would had some people a little bit uh, confused yesterday, thinking that it was going to be in March. I said, no, no. that's just in presidential years. Right. We flipped that. So keep that in mind. how confusing that is? And that is confusing, and I agree with you it's confusing. And I think also it's not fair to the people yeah. who are running, because if you make it so so early, it, it's really tough to, if you're somebody who's going to challenge somebody, to get out there and 
and get your name out. You got to get that out so early. People not even thinking about 24, and you're going to be talking to them at the end of 22 about 24. The general public just stays confused all the time, so it makes those primary races uh, campaigning hard to do. Well, People aren't ready to hear it. They're not. They're like, is it time? You, know, you got to convince them first look, that it's time to talk about things. <laughs> if you kept it in March all the time, you would you could work out a rhythm for that. But it's hard yeah. to say March one time, May the next time. That 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 opposed is, it then. Want to change tough. it now? Okay, let me ask you. I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with you, and then I come back to Ken. I'm letting Ken think a few more moments here. You're used to getting <laughs> up on Tuesday. He is not. All right. So here is here is the question. When uh, you heard that Sarah was into the race, uh, you know everybody. I'm gonna say people in the grassroots are saying, yeah, I'm going for it. All right, so with that in mind, what are the number one negative attributes for each one of the campaigns? What is their Achilles heel, so to speak? So let me start with you. Start with Leslie Rutledge. What do you think her her weakness is? I wonder about Leslie Rutledge in that I wonder how many voters actually knew until she became attorney general a lot about her. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that many voters know as much as they could know today. Um, She does a good job in some areas, I think, as AG. Um, I just wonder if she's perhaps perceived by the grassroots as not as well known, just not as well known all, all the way across the board. Okay, so, so she a little more difficult her name, for her to her get name, her message out. Her name recognition is not that good. Well, generally among the grassroots now, you know, obviously she has her backers in the political world. Again, I wonder about those groups of people. Um, was it Sarah Huckabee came out yesterday and said, well, our family is good friends with the Rutledges and we will not end up, you know, at each other's throats over this campaign. Yeah. Well, we're talking about splitting a base right there because there's a group of people that, you know, could go one way or the other between Ms. Huckabee and Ms. Rutledge. Okay. Achilles heel for Sarah Sanders. I think her dad's legacy could be a strength, but it could also be there's a sizable faction that still remember and are not happy. They're not fond of her father. And uh-huh. that halo from her father's name, I think, will uh, constrain her some with that part of the electorate. Okay. Now, Tim Griffin. You know, your guys yesterday brought up the same point that I had thought about, and uh, several of them had several instances there's been opportunities for him to step out and really make a stand. And he has sort of done so, but there's been times where he's held back when he could have. And I think that's going to hurt him with, again, I'm looking at it from the grassroots. Those are the people I hear from the most. Okay. Let me talk to Ken Yang about this now. Mm. Achilles heels, Leslie Rutledge. Mm. Okay. Well, maybe maybe these are things people, the candidates need to work on. Yeah, I mean, I know your uh, listeners know this, but I'll just start with this. These are my personal views and personal views only. Uh, since yes, some sir. nitpicky people. Same will. thing with Robert Steinbach. Uh, you know, he's a law professor, so since you know, we uh, we want everybody to know that his views are his his views alone. Some Do not people don't. On yeah. the party. <laughs> some ahead. people don't have. 
anything else better to do. But uh, I think with the Attorney General, I think Elizabeth is is right. I think she has some grassroots name ID issues. Um, I think when it comes to just conservative uh, grassroots folks, uh, there are some people dissatisfied with her when it comes to the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some many people dissatisfied with her with coming out and supporting hate crimes. And so I think there's a lot of that deep red meat type issues that people are going to be dissatisfied with that uh, she'll need to, you know, she's not not conservative, yeah. but I think she has some issues to address okay. in that conservative realm. Sarah Sanders. Um, I think uh, we saw it yesterday uh, when Tim criticized her. You know, welcome back to Arkansas. Uh, you know, she's she, nice, nice way of that's kind of like a backhanded compliment. Yes. You know what yeah. I'm saying? The, the bless your heart compl- uh, yeah. insult. You know, <laughs> it really was. <laughs> and I and I think that's the problem. She 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 doesn't know the issues here in Arkansas, and she's been back for what over a year. And when she was when she's consistently been asked about issues here in Arkansas, she's consistently deflected them. And so people remember that, and and not only you can deflect them, but then when you come out, you have to know the issues. And she's already shown that she doesn't know what's going on here. What was it that Tim pointed out that uh, she said something? She, uh, she said that uh, we need a sanctuary, you know, ban sanctuary, oh, sanctuary cities, cities, and we've already passed a law yeah. for that here in Arkansas. Yeah. Yep, yep. That that was a misstep. Study yep. up, no <laughs> doubt. That's a misstep. All right, and then uh, Tim Griffin. I think uh, Tim's probably only large Achilles heel is really what Elizabeth said is uh, um, Tim is conservative and people know that behind the scenes. But however, when he's had some opportunities to be more vocal, um, you know, people wanted him to be more vocal on, on certain issues that maybe the governor or other elected officials were standing in the wrong lane. And they wanted him to be more vocal. But, you know, he's constrained by his office to an extent. Okay. All right. So I'll go over my three from yesterday. Okay. I think Leslie made a huge misstep when she stood with the governor on hate crime legislation. I don't think, I do not think that that bill is going to pass. I think it's going to go down in flames. It may not even get heard, Mm. to be honest because they'll know that it's going to go down in flames. So I I think that's going to hurt her, and she's going to be questioned all the time about that when she's running. Uh, The Second Amendment issue is uh, still a big one, because she didn't come out clearly uh, for, you know, open carry and things of that nature, and it caused a lot of problems for citizens here in the the state, ended up in front of county judges and things of that nature, and all it would have taken is for her and the governor to to make it clear that uh, they believed that we were open carry state, and neither one of them would go that far. Uh, Sarah Sanders, like I said yesterday, there's a big question mark there. All right, what does she stand for? Look, I know she knows all the national issues, but you know what? To be honest, if you've listened to my show for any length of time, you know that I'm really not a big national issue talker here. I'm more of a a state local talker because I think that's the government that's going to affect you the most. 
And, uh, you know, we got countless programs on the rest of the day that that's all they talk about. So we talk about uh, local issues. And if I can ever get her on the air, we're going to talk about local issues and see where she stands on them. Because she is a blank slate. Yes. Now, that can be a positive or that can be a negative. See, for Obama, that was a positive. Because all these people said, oh, first black president. I like this, and he has this, and so they wrote all the things that they thought he did for them. Yes, uh, I don't think that's Sarah gets that pass. I think uh, people are going to say she hasn't done this, she hasn't done that, and I agree with you, uh, Elizabeth. How far has the apple fallen from the tree? Mm. Uh, you know, I I like Mike Huckabee, I really do, and I think deep down in his heart that that he thinks that he has done the right thing when he was governor. I agree. I think that he did a lot of wrong things when he was governor. This is is why I said maybe if she would wait, of course, too late now, but I had said earlier I wanted her to wait a while. Frankly, our generation that remembers Mr. Huckabee is almost out of the picture. Had she waited a little while for her children to be a little older, that might have been more of a non-issue for her. Well, it would have been, I think. I mean, when he moved back from Florida, we all knew what was going to happen next, right? I mean, come on. It would have (laughs) been four years from now that she was going to run, right? (laughs) So there's a big shadow there. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And and he'll be be – Bringing his two cents worth, I'm sure, to that campaign. That's right. Be foolish not to. Oh, you know. I mean, you know, he has experience. She does not. He's a consummate politician. He really, really is. All right. So we've been talking about the three uh, people who are running for the uh, banner to run for governor for the Republican Party right now. Leslie Rutledge, Sarah Sanders, and Tim Griffin are all running for governor. Uh, we've been giving you what we think is the Arche- uh, the Achilles heel for each of the candidates. I hadn't gotten to Tim Griffin. Let me give you my Tim Griffin Achilles heel. Whether it's true or not, and I don't believe it's true, all right, but perception becomes reality some sometimes. Here is what some people say about Tim Griffin. He's the establishment candidate. And... Uh, you know, he's he's just like all the other old Republicans out there. I I I think this, this race is gonna come down. Nothing against Leslie. I want everybody to understand. Nothing against Leslie. I've known Leslie Rutledge for years now. I I, I knew her before she ever even thought about running for A. G. Played golf with her and, and a lot of other people. But the bottom line is is that uh, I don't think that she can get in there and and fight it out with with Sarah and with Tim. I think it's going to come down to those two. Now, Leslie will hurt Sarah some as she will divide the we need yeah. a first Republican female governor yeah. in the yeah. uh, in in the office. So some women yeah. are going to vote for Leslie, some people women are going to vote yeah. for Sarah. I will say this, I'll I'll say that I talked to someone, a couple of people when Sarah announced that uh it's it's, just, it's nice to have choices. No matter who you support, it's nice that we have choices on the Republican side. And they're the, good choices. Yeah, unlike the Democrats. Yeah. And we have we have great choices uh, uh, for governor. And uh, and and f- this is this is the first time I believe big boy politics will descend on Arkansas. Uh-huh. And it's time to people to grow up 
support your candidate. Mm-hmm. Don't be butt hurt if someone isn't supporting your candidate. <laughs> and 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 move on. And, and then primary. move on. You know, yeah. be an adult, guys. I, I, yep, I agree with that as well. You yeah. can't you can't hold grudges. You just got to understand this is what happens when you have a party that is now becoming mature. You got a lot of big name players, isn't that right, Dan Sullivan? Well, good morning. <laughs> State Senator Dan Sullivan with us. How you doing this morning, Dan? I'm just doing great and appreciate having talked to you in a little while and appreciate the invitation to be on the show and y'all have been talking about you know real politics in Arkansas. Yes, sir. And, uh, it's, it's just a great so, topic. Does it not show how strong the Republican Party has gotten? It really does. And and, and again, I think I both your guests mentioned it that this is a time for everybody to step up and learn about what's going on uh in Arkansas politics. Uh, you know, we've got a the, the session is going well. A lot of very important subjects being discussed, uh, big decisions to be made, and we need uh, legislators to step up. But we need the people to learn more about what's going on and get engaged and involved. Yes, and you know what? That's why I have you on my show. You do know that, right? I've had you. Well, I got you. I was wondering there for a second. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, you were you were worried that I was going to say. So, what do you think, Senator? What are the three Achilles heels? <laughs> I know you were worried about that. Uh, well, but, listen, I'll, I'll weigh in on that. I think y'all are are spot on. I think you're exactly right, and I like the public uh, need to be asking my candidate those tough questions. And I think Dave, you know, and I think the your listeners know that I'm not. Uh, shy about taking a position, uh, stepping up for what Arkansas needs are, and, uh, and and doing what needs to be done, as you know, as evidenced by the lawsuit that we filed. Yep, I agree. And I think our governor made a misstep there, uh, overreached, and you know there was so much misinformation that got out there. You know, we were trying to to uh, you know end the mask mandate. We're trying to people are going to die, uh, and it was solely about the governor's overreach in um, in taking power that he doesn't possess, he doesn't have, and about the legislature giving him power we don't have the authority to give. And see, um, th- that's the problem that we were just talking about, perception. Perception yeah. becomes reality for a lot of people, and perception on the governor's part has become reality in his mind that he has more power than he thinks he has. <laughs> But he's he uh, he's assumed that power. That's what I'm and, saying. You know, those are questions that we ought to be asking these candidates. Uh, you know, is this an overreach? Or are you going to do the very same thing? I'd love to hear uh, what uh, Lieutenant Governor Griffin's going to do. I'd love to hear what Sarah Sanders uh, will do. I think we've already heard Leslie's opinion on this. She has agreed with the governor yep. that he has this authority. Um, and I would assume she would be willing to assume that very same authority. And I'm, you know, when you're talking about Achilles heels, I think that has to be one, um, for, for, uh, for the attorney general is that she's going, would take the position that she could assume the same amount of power. And I think that's, uh, um, I think most Arkansans, now would agree that that's the wrong step. You know, when this first happened, people were supportive of um, the authoritarian style 
our, our governor to step in and uh, try to get us right. But it's, we're going on a year now, and we still have not engaged the legislature and how anyone can say that it's appropriate for the governor to maintain or for a governor to maintain this kind of control and this kind of authority is a good thing. And not involving the legislature is a good thing. You know, I'd really like to hear what our lieutenant governor, what Sarah Sanders would say, and hear Leslie uh, continue to uh, uh, go down this path and defend it, mm-hmm. which will happen because I think we're getting very close. You know, the attorney general's office is due to submit paperwork to the Supreme Court. Uh, in just a few more days, I think, they hit the deadline on our lawsuit. And then we, uh, you included, Dave, uh, as a member of part of that lawsuit, we'll have 15 days to respond to the attorney general, and then they'll be setting a, a court date with the Supreme Court. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I will probably to be there that. to listen to it. Well, me too, yeah. I want to hear what they have to say. All right, so let me ask this question of you, and I'm I'm sure Elizabeth is interested as well as Ken. Talk a little bit about SCR2 and SHCR1003. Sure, those are both uh, concurrent resolutions. One's a Senate resolution, one's a House resolution, but they say the same thing, and they essentially end the emergency order and all that's attached to it. Um, you know, there are protections for businesses, insurance protection for businesses. Um, there are uh, rules for health care workers um, to protect them. There's um, unemployment insurance included in that for people who lose their jobs over the emergency. Uh, so that's what the emergency order does, uh, or the concurrent resolution does. It's just in that. You know, unfortunately, or fortunately, there are some very good things in that those executive orders, telehealth, uh, insurance protections, and others that are good things. And if you'll remember, the governor asked, maybe it's been, I think it's back in late December, where the governor asked the House and the Senate to have a committee of the whole meeting. Do you all remember that? Yes. Yeah. And you guys turned him down. Well, you know, actually, the only people that responded positively to the governor's request were uh, Representative Gonzalez and myself. You know, we filed legislation uh, to protect those important things. We filed legislation for telehealth. We filed legislation for in-person witnessing for uh, notaries. We filed legislation to uh, on. Uh, for banks to meet and corporations to meet by telephone, so and several other things. But we actually filed that legislation. And if you'll remember in the governor's address to the legislature, he said, you guys, meaning the legislature, need to fill those gaps in. If you're going to end the emergency order, you need to fill these gaps in by February. Well, the people who stepped up and did that were uh, Representative Gonzalez and myself. Because we understand what the what, how much how important it is for us to fill those gaps in before the emergency order ends. So if you're talking about when are we going to run the concurrent resolution, we would first have to run these other bills so with that when the emergency ends, we do have some of those protections in place. That's a good thing. Now, why concurrent resolutions? Well, why wouldn't these be bills? 
filed in the House and the Senate and be uh, voted on, uh, you know, by the you know representatives and senators? Why do a concurrent sure. resolution? Well, now the all of those that I just mentioned, the telehealth, the uh, the bankers meeting by phone, the notary protections, all those are bills. So we actually filed legislation, I think, in the Senate, Senate Bill 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, I think are the numbers of. The only concurrent resolution uh, that is filed is to end the emergency order, and that's the legal action we take. Now, there are others. Uh, you know, Senator Hammer and Representative Gasaway have legislation that will end the emergency order. Uh, you know, one thing the executive order doesn't do, I'm sorry, the concurrent resolutions don't do, is protect um, us going forward and the governor doing multiple uh, executive orders. So our concurrent resolution would end this one, but there's nothing that would prevent him from doing subsequent uh, emergency orders. Senator uh, Hammer and Representative Gasaway have legislation not only to end this emergency order, but they would address any future um, executive orders, emergency orders that the governor might do. I don't know if I did a good job of explaining that. It, it sounds like, that. No, I think that you did. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts out there. Yeah, I know right. that. And uh, But it, don't you think that we need a law written into the books now so that the next uh, governor that hopes I hope to God we don't have another emergency like this again, yeah. uh, that they'll have, you know, some time to decide how long they want to have an emergency order. And then you all have set something in in uh, in a red line saying after this time, you got to come back to us and keep us in 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 uh, involved in this. I mean, they've done that. In Oregon, they've done that. In Wisconsin, they've done that. In a lot of other states, is it time for us to do that here in Arkansas? Well, a couple of things on that. One, I think our lawsuit will prevail, as it has in other states. And when that happens, and that will end the emergency order. Um, two, there that's the Hammer Gasaway legislation will do exactly uh, what you're saying. And I don't want to jump the gun and say what's in that bill. They filed an interim study proposal, but I know the bill has changed some, but their bill does that. Their bill says that the governor, when he declares an emergency order, the emergency order ends automatically after X number of days. I don't know if it's 15 days or 30 days, but it automatically ends. And then the governor has to call the legislature back into session if he wants to extend it. So it corrects that problem, and I think it's necessary. Um, And I think, as you said, other states do it that way. And that's why we're kind of sitting on the concurrent resolutions to see if we can get a bill uh, passed that does exactly what you say and protects uh, the authority of the legislature, uh, reins in the overreach of the governor, not just this one, but governors, whether that be Huckabee uh, or, or Griffin or whomever, uh, or Rutledge, that reigns in their authority also. And you can see, you know, just as... Uh, Attorney General Rutledge has said she thinks the governor has acted appropriately. Mm-hmm. So if she were to be elected governor, one can assume she would do the very same thing. All right. Uh, and we need legislation to protect that. Let me get a break in here. Our guest, uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan. There's a lot of legislation out dealing with the COVID-19 uh, emergency. 
And I think it's rightly so. I think it needed to have some clarification, and we needed people to think differently about what an emergency and how long an emergency lasts. So we'll talk to him about that some more, and then we'll have questions from Elizabeth and from Ken Yang, who are my special guest hosts today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Don't forget that if you want to get your house clean, get it clean. I'm not talking about like the way I clean. You know, I... I get a little in dust and run across the shelves and uh, underneath. I, I actually get the, the ledge underneath the coffee table and get the, the dust out of there. And then maybe I'll run the, the vacuum cleaner uh, in the uh, living room and uh, run a damp mop uh, over the tile. But that's, that's about what it does uh, on a Dave Ellswick cleaning. You want a deep cleaning. You want a really get a cleaning done by professionals and the folks at St. Clarity Residential uh, Cleaning can do that for you. Uh, These guys, when they get into your house and they get done, you'll know, you know, they'll walk out and you'll be going, what's the difference in the air in my house and outside? They both smell fresh. You know, I mean, just, I'm just telling you, they'll do it and they will meet with you and they'll go over all of the stuff that you want to get done and uh, it's a great deal. Uh, so if, if you and look, guys, if you're looking for a great uh, gift for Valentine's Day, you, know, you give your significant other a, a few of these gift certificates. They gift gets her the house clean that she doesn't have to do it. Uh, for a house up to fifteen hundred square foot, fifty percent off. You only go pay a hundred bucks. That's a good deal. Uh, if you have a house that's up to twenty five hundred square foot and over to fifteen hundred. You're talking $150. That is, you can't, you can't get that with the other guys. I'm just telling you, this is one of the best prices you'll ever get. All you have to do is call right here at 1011 FM and get your gift certificate, uh, certificate at 404-6560, 404-6560. You'll talk to Chuck, call him after nine o'clock. Uh, you better call soon because I'm buying two of those certificates today. Because I'm giving two of those to my wife for Valentine's Day. I know she'll really like that. And she'll like that she gets to talk to the cleaners and go over everything. They come in with a checklist, man. And they go, this, 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 you know. And they check off what you want. They do a fantastic job with St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Uh, save 50%. Call 404-6560 for your certificates today. All right, guys, we're down to about uh, four to six minutes left here. Ken, question for uh, the state senator. Yeah, I think, uh, um, you know, I I don't disagree with with what you are doing with the uh, executive orders and and whatnot. But I think, you know, the the people are just, you know, wondering, like, what are there going to be any ramifications for you know, I would say like the Department of Health, you know, for finding businesses, maybe an FOI on how much money they've they've made uh, over over COVID-19. And, you Ooh, know, how, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, they they cite small businesses, but they, they cite big box stores. You know what? What are what are y'all going to actually do to hold the Department of Health accountable and also help the small businesses that are close to being shut down next week? Boy, that's a, that's a difficult question. Goes way way forward. You know, first thing we've got to do is stop that. 
And I think the lawsuit will put an end to that. And that's why I think we'll prevail as uh, lost, similar lawsuits have done in multiple states. Uh, you know, I don't know about a look back about re- returning money. I don't know how one would do that. I've never seen legislation that uh, would would give money back to people. I, I think I may look into that today and see. But again, we've got to rein them in and stop that. And I saw more and more businesses are being fined in our state. More and more businesses are closing their doors and shutting down forever. Um, and we we need to get this legislation, that either the Hammer Gasaway bill passed quickly, it will have an emergency order to it. Uh, it will end that emergency and cause the governor or the executive uh, department to come back to the legislature with rules. And I'm I'm sure, I feel strongly that the legislature will stop this practice of finding businesses and the uh, tr- unfair and unequal treatment of businesses. As you talked about, big business kind of gets to do what they want, and small business, uh, they're the ones that are suffering. And if that goes through the legislative process, then you will have individual senators, individual House members who actually live in these towns, and we're seeing those doors closed. We'll have an opportunity to say we are not voting and not supporting finding our businesses for these things. Mm, good. Uh, that's what we miss right now is, is legislative support and legislative action uh, and power. So I think that's the answer to it going forward, but we have to pass this legislation in order to do that. All right, quick question and answer. Elizabeth. Well, I'm going to segue over and just comment. We have a couple of listeners that are saying there needs to be a forum to ask the candidates about all of these questions, and I think they're speaking about the governor's candidates there. But there is one other statement here that says the people have to make it plain to Asa that he is not a ruler. He is a servant to the people who pay his salary. He does not know better than we, the people, how we in Arkansas need to be governed. And I think that's what you're speaking to, uh, Senator Sullivan. And I think uh, there's a couple of other folks here saying yes and thumbs up on our Facebook feed. So uh, well, the you know, message is yeah, you know, the, governor, the governor disagrees with that person. The governor says he does have the power. He says he does have the authority. He's made public statements that he does know better than the legislature, and he doesn't trust the legislature to make good decisions. He doesn't trust the legislative process. He's made that statement multiple times in multiple venues. And again, I would agree with your listeners completely. That may be true in the short run when we come up on emergencies. It's not true over the months and the course of time. And that's what the legislature wants to rein in. Ken Yang, thank you for coming in. Congratulations on your leadership in the Saline Republican County. Thank you. Fantastic. Elizabeth, thank you as well. State Senator Dan Sullivan, look at your schedule and tell me if you can join us on Friday around I'll 6. I'll be there. All right. We'll talk to you about that. We'll get you on here with Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. I got to take a break, and then we'll be back after the news with the Bible guy.
I like a, something to wake you up in the morning. That one to get you going. You know what? You know what I'm going to have you play one day. I'm going to have you play some res band music to raise the dead. I think we'll we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> resurrection band. And if if you never heard the resurrection band, Black Sabbath has nothing on them. I'm just saying, <laughs> they're great. I, I I got to know those guys really good. They they still have their uh, their program feeding the poor in the inner city of Chicago. They're cool. amazing what they do. They really are. That's some people from the Jesus movement. They're still at it, man. Fifty Absolutely. years later, they're doing it. They're getting it done. All right, Steve Hess is here. And, of course, uh, Billy is here, Billy Miller, and they're both uh, pastors as well. And then Scott is out today. He's having a a uh, retreat with his staff, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Now, what is a retreat? Is it a retreat from all the hustle and bustle, or is it a retreat of just, let's get away from all these other crazy people? <laughs> well, I, I suspect since he would have been meeting with us, it was the crazy people no, part, right? Okay, so I got there you. it is, there it is. <laughs> so I just got to have a break from those jokers. Yeah, okay, well, the phone line's open, 823-0965. <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you this question I'm going to ask them today. This could take some time. There's going to be some some exegesis done today, So yeah. just so you'll know. 8230965 is the number to call. The Bible guys are here. It's always great to have them on the air. By the way, I want to thank uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan. I thought he was absolutely he's fantastic. He's very transparent. He gives straight answers to questions that he's asked and I like him about that. And then a, a, of course Elizabeth who joins me on Tuesday. Great having her. And Ken Yang, the new uh chairman over there in saline county for the republican party thanks for coming in ken i appreciate that as well he is an up-and-coming rock star uh for the republican uh party here in arkansas all right dear dave please ask the bible guys to address the following big all caps (laughs) question how do you guys interpret matthew 24 i know this is a big thing to ask but a lot of people are talking about it now. Hope you guys can handle this on the air. Okay, so thank you. Here's a, Thank you for sending the question. I didn't know there's a big discussion going on about Matthew 24, guys. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of this? Anytime we start talking about eschatology, um, there are going to be questions. And, and I suspect that my answer will be less than satisfying here. Um, because part of my answer here is going to be a bunch of what we're doing is wait and see sort of stuff. Um, we understand that prophecy was not given to us so that we could predict the future. Right. Uh, prophecy was given to us as a form of confirmation. Um, we can go back and look at prophecy once an event has happened and say, yes, um, God told us this was going to happen, and God told us this was going to happen, and God told us this was going to happen. It is not so that we can go, hey, here's what's happening tomorrow, and here's what you should have for breakfast this morning. Um, so we can we can talk about it, um, but understand that a lot of my answers, and I'm, I'm sure Steve will be in the same boat here, a lot of my answers are going to be, we don't know yet. Um, we, we don't have good answers for all of this yet. And in um, many cases, when it comes to prophecy, we're not going to know until after it is fulfilled. Um, we, we talk about, um, Steve and I do a study uh, on the regular, uh, specifically about eschatology. And one of the things we talk about um, 
is the fact that all of the prophecy about the Messiah's first coming was, well, not all, much of the prophecy about the Messiah's first coming, the people did not recognize when it was uh, taking place at the time. And therefore, um, you know, prophecy repeats itself. Uh, the cycle repeats itself. It is likely that much of the prophecy um, that has been given about his return will also be misinterpreted right up until the moment it's fulfilled, and then we'll go, oh, so that's what that meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah? How you feel about that, Steve? Um, yes and amen. I think that the only difference between how that plays out in the end and how that played out in his first coming is we're not going to be able to sit back after the fact and go, oh, right. that's what it meant, right? Right. I think that we'll have a different revelation than they did back then. Because well, we'll have forever to say, yeah, that's what they meant. Right, but at the same time, <laughs> he doesn't want us to be caught off guard, right? He doesn't want right. us to be deceived. And how to properly understand the times of the end is you have to properly understand the time of the first coming right? and how we interpret the Scripture. <clears throat> Unfortunately, um, I can say with a lot of confidence that most of what's being taught um, in the charismatic circles has a lot of flaws. and. And anytime you listen to anybody that starts talking about prophetic events, and we'll get into the crux of Matthew 24, we can spend the whole show on this. Yeah. Well, I'm, that's what I figured when yeah. I got the question. That'd be easy. And if, you, uh, if you're if you someone who's interested in this, go get a cup of coffee, get you a pen and paper, because we're going to give you some stuff to chew on. Okay. And we just have to be cautious when somebody starts laying out a chart, and somebody lays out and says, well, here's the seven-year tribulation. This is when the abomination of Denlet... The abomination yeah, try that again. of desolation happens. Uh, this is when the Psalm 83 war happens. This is when Ezekiel 37 war happens. It's just not going to play out like that. We cannot know that. It's right. not possible. And there's chances that some of that stuff has historical fulfillment. <clears throat> and so it would make sense that people are asking and inquiring about all this stuff simply because um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, you know, and, and especially because most people – are narcissistic, whether they want to admit it or not, especially Americans, and because our country is having a little bit of chaos, we think the world's coming to an end, you know. And, and so, yes, people are talking about prophetic events and stuff like that. But and I, I personally think we're rapidly approaching those times. That's why we've been doing the study for the last few years, is because we want to make sure we we took right. at it from this approach. When we first got together, we said, "Hey." Um, if we if we approach the scriptures Hebraically with everything else, then we need to reevaluate how we view prophecy. Because if there's a lot of other theological things that some of the churches got wrong, that we need to look at that from a Hebraic perspective and see how different that might be. That is so important. It is of what you just said, because here in America we think it's all an American thing, right? And I'm just telling you, this is a Jewish thing. That's right. And you better get over that. Yeah. The America is wrapped in the gospel. The gospel is not wrapped in America. There Correct. you go. I, li- yeah. I like that immensely. <clears throat> I, didn't, just, I didn't create it. I mean, I still live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think you got to understand it from a Jewish perspective. Yeah. yeah. If well, you don't, you're missing something. Yep. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you guys some things to think about. I don't know if we're already at, at break time or not, but I'll, coming I'll, up, you I'll got one going. minute. Okay. Keep going. All right. So. When people talk about Matthew 24, or we can throw in uh, the book of Revelation, and then in the Gospels, the counters, or the or the ones that, that run alongside Matthew 24, is uh, Mark 13 and Luke 21. One of the biggest mistakes that people do when they start reading these kind of things, and for that matter, a lot of the Scripture, uh, we use the phrase, they read them through a Greek lens. 
and they just read it from beginning to end, and they think everything's going to play out in a nice, neat order. The Hebrew way of things is a cyclical thing. It's a cyclical event. And so things happen, and then they happen again, and they potentially happen again. And we need to read, and that's what we'll get into after the break, is how to read Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and it should lay a ground date. From a Hebrew From a Hebrew perspective. All right. We're going to do that when we come back. And it's important to do that. Look, the church, the church for the first how many hundred, 300 years was Jewish. Right. It was Jewish. It was it was rabbis yeah. teaching everything. They were in the synagogues and stuff. It wasn't until uh, that nitwit emperor got going <laughs> right. that he right. started destroying everything. Let's keep that in mind. All right. Don't forget about David Lucas. He doesn't want you to forget that you can make some really bad mistakes about your uh, retirement if you don't ask yourself the proper questions. And that's why he came up with this brochure that i'm holding up in my hand for folks on uh the uh the facebook to be able to watch and it says the ultimate retirement planning checklist are you ready to retire and uh, there's 31 questions in here and i'm going to say if you can't answer 90 uh, percent of them clearly and right to the point you're going to go off the rails somewhere along in your retirement remember the uh, golden rule Dave's golden rule, you must let your money live longer than you. If you live longer than your money, it could be a bad thing. Now, second coming comes and, you know, no money's necessary at that point. But still, you know, that's the only time I can say you don't have to worry about not, you know, your money living longer than you. You're going to be richer than you could ever have been. All right. But the bottom line is you have got to have money to be able to pay the bills, uh, to you know, live in your house or in the apartment or wherever you're at. Uh, you don't want to get in retirement and you get to a point where suddenly there's nothing in the bank account. So don't let that happen. You give David Lucas Financial a call today. Be one of the first 10 callers to get a free copy of this. 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Now, nobody answers. Go to davidlucasfinancial.com, and you can do all of that right there on their website. But do it, whether it's by phone or by the website. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, here's what I know. Eschatology, for whatever reason, is the big subject for a lot of believers. Yeah. You know, they want to know what's coming. Here's what I always say. Live your life the way you're supposed to live your life, and then you don't have to worry about what's coming. Right. It may, well, co- may come for you in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I'd like that. <laughs> I'd like to be the worker in the field, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm, I'm translated. I'd kind of like if that would happen. I, I think so. Um, since the first century, there has been some interest in eschatology, right? Uh, um, well, ever since Jesus Paul, left. Right. Paul, uh, in his early writings, um, spoke and preached and taught that uh, in a manner that suggests that he believed uh, Messiah was coming back during his lifetime. Um, and every generation has believed they were the generation. Um, but I think there is a moving in the spirit and understanding of the darkness of, of the world that we live in. Um, people are looking around and saying, look, if it's not this generation, then there's likely not another generation coming. Um, so there is a 
there's a strong sense of this must be the generation upon which these things are coming. And as a result, people are curious about what um, Scripture has to say and whether or not um, whether or not they can prove that this is the generation. And then beyond that, for some people, I, I think it's a matter of comfort. Um, they they want to they're they're staring eternity in the face if Messiah is on his way back. And because they are not deeply rooted and grounded, um, they're looking, they're, they're grasping for straws to say, prove to me that the Bible is right. Prove to me that my faith is not, has not been wasted. Prove to me that I haven't wasted my lifetime believing this thing. Um, so there's, there's some of that mixed in there. And too. if you feel that way, you need to check your faith. Right. 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 Um, yeah, because you're going to run yourself, run into, uh, <clears throat> what happened in was it 1844, 1845 with the great disappointment with the Millerites and all of those people who said that, you know, Jesus was going to come during this time. And then when they put the white cloth on their heads. And it, stuff. I, don't, I can't remember if that was, was they the ones them. That did that? Yeah, I don't remember if that was if that was them who put the cloths on. But so anyway, let's get into um, one of the things to look at with Matthew 24. Before you continue. Yes, sir. Great statement. A lot of people say when they're talking about about the the, the future and, and all of that is you know just live today yep. the way you're supposed to live, and the future will take care of itself. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, I don't worry about you know. Now I I'm I'm looking forward. There is one thing I'm looking forward to. I hope I'm alive to see it when Christ comes back. It says that the sky's going to roll back like a scroll. Mm. I want to see that. <laughs> right. I think that's going to be just. I don't think it's going to be terrifying, but cool. Right. right. <laughs> I would agree. All right. So if you go to Matthew 24, it says that um, that Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to him to show him the building buildings of the temple. It's kind of weird the way that's worded. It's like, they, yeah. like he didn't know. Right. But they were just talking about it. And Jesus said, do you not see all of these things? Or surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon one another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, now, there's two distinct things that are going to be talked about here. And I'm going to read that part again in Matthew 13, which is, you know, the other part of the synoptics telling the same story. And they said, tell us when... He said Matthew, but he meant Mark. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mark 13, sorry. He said, tell us when these things will be, what will be the sign that all these things are about to be fulfilled. If you notice there, Mark 13 doesn't say anything about his coming. Right. The question Luke is different. 21 says the exact same thing. When are, when's the temple going to be destroyed, and what is going to be the sign that these things are about to be fulfilled? It doesn't say anything about his coming. That's right. All it talks about is the temple being destroyed and Jerusalem being destroyed. So don't get it mixed up with his coming. Correct. And... <laughs> Uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time on this because it might wreck some of y'all. The the <laughs> phrase there uh, for his coming um, is up for debate. It's not that we don't believe he's coming back, but terminology like that was used to describe judgment. It was used to describe judgment right. in Jeremiah when God was talking about the judgment that was coming upon Babylon. It was coming upon Jerusalem. You know, that is a sign that when you come in clouds, clouds often represent armies. And so it may have been a literal cloud, it may have been a metaphorical cloud, but one of the things we can't do is just like too many prophecies teachers do, they take Matthew 24 simply because it says his coming, and then they start trying to place it into all the things that are going on. And then you have to deal with things like, well, this generation shall not pass till all these things come to pass. 
Whoa. Oh, well, that means the generation is alive to see all these things. Okay. Well, then every other place, the words together, this generation was actually fulfilled in that generation. Right. Okay. Now, don't start crying yet. Right. So you got to you gotta look at things, and from what I call a, a, a paralytic perspective, all right, um, if you remember the story uh, that when um, it says that Jesus came lowly and riding on a donkey, right, um, and it says, Rejoice uh, greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So we would look at that and go, oh, well, Jesus fulfilled that, and that is true. The, the Gospels mm-hmm. record that. But do you know what verse 1 says of Zechariah 9? It says, this is a burden of the word of the Lord against the land of Hadrach. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? So contextually, this is talking about a prophecy of that is against the land of Hadrach and Damascus. But hidden within that prophecy is a prophecy about the Messiah. Now... The reason I bring that up is because when you start reading Matthew 24 and, and Mark 13 and Luke 21, you need to look at it first contextually, meaning the first historical context, because the Bible says that when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, this is what Jesus said to him: get out. He was warning him about what was coming mm-hmm. to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the Israelis of that time. The Romans are coming to kick your butt. Correct. Right. However... Just like within Zechariah, the context was dealing with Damascus, but hidden within that was the prophecy of the coming of the king. That's how you have to read Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Primary context was dealing with the history and the people at that moment, but woven within that is the second coming. And so what you should not do is look and say, oh, well, there's going to be great earthquakes, and then start running around and pointing out everything, every single earthquake in the world today. Right. You know, though it's true that there is an increase, you know, you can go to the, the uh, was it USGA site or whatever? USGS. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can actually see that they have increased, but it's just one of the many signs, and it's right. not to be taken like a checklist and try and um, open up a newspaper, turn on the news, and then just start fitting all the scriptures. That's not how you interpret prophecy. So just be careful when you read those to try and go and grab specific scriptures to try and make your point, because that will set you up for failure. Okay, so explain to the listeners why, and we got about a minute and a half here, explain to them why prophecy is different than just typical news. (coughs) Prophecy is different than typical news. Um, Well, um, I guess from a particular perspective there's not a whole lot of difference uh it's that one is news is something that is is being reported on after it has happened right uh and prophecy is as well from god's point of view but for our point of view it's not and i'll be honest um some prophecy is um intentionally vague god left it that way on purpose um it's in Proverbs that it says it is the pleasure of God to hide things within Torah, within Scripture, and the pleasure of kings to seek it out. One of the things, um, the the mysteries that are left in the Bible, part of the reason they're there is that God is trying to draw you in. Mm-hmm. Um, God God wants you to draw close to Him and, and to His Word, um, and therefore He. I mean, if it, 
if it was all a checklist, A, B, C, D, then we wouldn't, there's there's no relationship It there, didn't happen right? that way when his first coming. Right. That's why you can't do it the second coming. They couldn't just right. check off everything the Messiah was going to do, or nobody would have missed him when he came the first time. Right. They all right. would have knew it if it was a simple mm-hmm. checklist. Yeah. Okay, we yeah. got to take a break. We got uh, we got Rush coming up, and then when we get back, I, I want to tell you a little bit about Hillcrest Jewelry, and then we'll get back into discussing this some more. The book that has had more impact on the United States than any other on prophecies, the late great planet Earth. It is 51 years old this year. Unbelievable. All right, a break and then more here on the Dave Ellswick Show with the Bible Guys. All right, back with you. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry up uh, at 3000 Cavanaugh uh, Boulevard here in Little Rock. You'll want to go back uh, by there now after the Christmas rush and check out what's in the counters again because uh, he can't make uh, eric can't make you a, a specialty ring or a bracelet or a necklace or whatever in a very limited time like you have now going into uh valentine's day know that that's literally less than three weeks away now so go in and see what he has on um, on his counters there's some great great things that he has absolutely beautiful jewelry if you want silver he's got silver you want gold he's got gold if you want rose gold he's got rose gold he's got all of that he's got uh diamonds he's got gemstones he's got colored gemstones you name it he has it he's got just stones i mean there's something to be said about a ring or a break, uh, a necklace that uh, just has rocks that they've taken mm-hmm. and polished up really beautifully and and wearing that and uh, i mean you can come up with some really you know fantastic beauty with that and hillcrest designer jewelry does all of it uh, call eric and talk to him 501-246-3655 maybe you're looking for something specific as far as a rock or a gemstone or whatever goes uh he knows what it is you want to know he's got the answer for you uh he is a gemologist he has loved uh you know stones gemstones rocks all of that since he was a kid he used to have one of those little buffering uh units that you got when a kid you know a tumbler i had one did you have one yeah Yeah, and it made those rocks look cool i mean it really did and uh he's really big in all, all of that talk to him about it uh, the phone number again, 501-246-3655, or stop by and visit him. He's a great guy to just sit around and talk to. 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard here in Little Rock. That's Hillcrest Designer uh, Jewelry. All right, let's pick back up with Steve here. Hang on. Before we do that, I just okay. have to say, so gifts when I were young were a, a thing, right? And and just because of the, the nature of my Uh, parents financial situation but the two favorite gifts i ever received probably until i was 15 or 16 years old the rock tumbler yeah and the ant farm there you go the ant farm i remember you can still get the ant farm you can uh but i remember the ant farm. it's cool to have that and watch them do their thing all right i derailed this but let's pick back up with 24 don't forget the wood burning kit (laughs) right right. go ahead all right so For those who are wondering and saying, hey, it sure looks like a lot of things that are going on that seem to line up with some of the things we're reading in the scriptures, as I said earlier, we just have to be careful that we just don't become narcissistic in the sense that we just think it's all about us and America and all of that. Nations have risen and fallen, and so just because, as I said several times, that we have, you know, wrapped the gospel around the American flag, um, 
that somehow we think just because it's happening to us now, the whole world, when, when our brothers and sisters around the world for generations are being killed and persecuted and nations have risen and fallen. And we and just got to be the good careful. news is still moving. That's right. It still is. And that's one of the things I try to get people to calm down about. Some of the, the Bible is full of stories of people overcoming insurmountable odds against nations and kingdoms mm-hmm. and rulers. And that's the stories that we have that happen to the people of God. So we need to relax and not just think that, just because we're having a little political difficulty, the world's coming to an end. Now, you are going to see the shift back to Israel. You know, it's been relatively peaceful and calm, and it's actually quite possibly there's a reason for that. Well, you know, when in our discussions, when, when Trump came in and we all looked at the surprise, one of the things that, that we talked about in our Tuesday night thing was because of the um, – the 50-year cycle in Jerusalem and all that, we had to believe that something was going to happen in 2018 that had to deal with Jerusalem specifically. <clears throat> and um, and so when, when Trump came out and did the whole embassy thing and, and got the focus of the nations on Jerusalem, you know, it wasn't too much of a surprise. We didn't know how right. that was going to, but we knew Jerusalem was going to be somewhat centric because I think it's Zechariah that says that that God would make Jerusalem a, a cup of trembling and burden some stone, and all of the nations who come against it will be crushed by it. So Jerusalem is going to become a central figure uh, in part. It's uh, That's part of the prophetic picture that needs to happen, uh, because Jesus said as he was coming over the Mount of Olives, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to mm-hmm. gather you, but you are not willing. And he said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jerusalem had to be back in the hands of the Jews they had to have a position of authority over it before that prophecy could be fulfilled. And so right. you have to look at those pictures and kind of step back. And if you want to look at, um, as I say, you got to look at the broad stroke. You cannot look at all the little finer points because that's where people have gotten lost. And what we should be broadly waiting for happen is that all of the nations are going to come against Jerusalem. They're going to try and do something about this Jewish problem because you already hear for some of the religious or the leaders in the world they have said if Israel wasn't there, we would have peace. Yeah they, yeah, they would say the world will have peace if those Jews were not in the land. Yeah, and so we're going to come to that place again. And the way it's written out in the book of Ezekiel is it says that God was going to bring all of the nations against Israel so He can prove to the world that He is God. Right, and so all of the nations, which means America, which means we're going to come off the world scene. We're not going to be the financial and military power. And all of the nations are going to come against Israel, just like the nations did in 70 A.D. <clears throat> but this time, they will be victorious because just as God brought judgment on Egypt to prove to them that he was God, he's going to do the same thing in the end. So look at the broader pictures. Don't try and say, well, that guy's the Antichrist. Don't try and say it's this specific nation and, and because that's where you can really get lost. So look at the broad stroke of Matthew 24, and just say that one day there's great turmoil that's coming. Nations are going to sound Jerusalem, surround Jerusalem, and there's going to be wars. And rumors of wars. And there's going to be a Babel-type thing where everybody's going to become unified, right? There's going to be a single voice. Uh, There's going to be a false system just like there was in that time. But don't try and pin it down, you know, chapter and verse, because that will get you in trouble. All right. What's a good book? I know, you know, maybe reading books is not the thing anymore, but it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. I still read. I read every night before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Got a, a question for you. Uh, what's a good one for, uh, you know, prophecy from a Hebrew perspective? The next one I write. 
I am. I'm working on a course, not a book. And that is because it, most of what you're going to find out there is basically taken from the foundation that how Lindsay laid. Yeah, most absolutely. Of it, most of it comes, and most of them are just repeating that. Um, there are some guys, um, Joel Richardson's got some good books. He's got one called um, The Islamic Antichrist, which flips upside down some of the uh, those who have been pointing at the Catholic Church and the, and the false prophet of the of the Pope and mm-hmm. the revived Roman Empire. So that's why I said there's multiple ways to look at it. There's not one specific. I, I've, I've not found one that puts everything yeah. together, uh, and that's why we have decided to take a completely different approach because I think they all have a little insight um, but not just one. Okay, so, so I, can't, I can't just name down one. The new, this next class you do is going to be prophecy from a Hebraic Correct. viewpoint. Correct. We're doing. See, I, I think that's the key. It, uh, to be honest, it is. I've got I got a book called Apocalyptic Apocalypse Code. Again, Joel Richardson's book, Hal Lindsey's book, and so they. But they all kind of come from that same idea that they're waiting for this perfect peace covenant, this seven year tribulation, yeah. and laid out in a nice clean. And I'm just not sure that, that that's a smart thing to do. I think you have to say it looks like this and possibly that because the Bible foretells it doesn't prophetically give you a blueprint. Right. What it says is when it begins to happen, you go, ah, I see it. Ah, I see it. Not for you to go, it's going to be this, 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 and this. That's not how prophecy works. And you've okay. got to be careful. So that's why I say it's difficult for me to just, you know, pick uh, one of those books, I, I don't know, I got five or six of them that I've kind of went through, but then I kind of dropped it once I really started looking into parallelism and apocalyptic literature. It really kind of wrecked some of the stuff. I'm just telling you, 1970, when the late great planet Earth came out, that was an earth-shaking book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's and actually the first and, book I read when I got saved. And still is. Yeah. Still is 51 years old. I just looked it up. Hal Lindsey's now 91. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I should try to give him a call and see if we can get him on. Yeah. Ooh. See if he'd come on and talk. I, that, I can't, but I can't be here because I'll have to listen and be respectful to my elders. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can look. I, what I, I have just something, heard something is that, that you have to learn. Problems that need to be worked out. <laughs> something that you have to learn is that you can ask tough questions yeah. and still be respectful. Yeah. They definitely can do that. All right. I know that Steve's got to get off to work. Tell your students, I said, thanks for the, giving us some extra time with you today. Appreciate it. All See right. you guys next week. Steve will be back with us next Tuesday. When we come back, Billy's going to be with us. I'm going to completely shift now. Okay. I want to talk to Billy about being a a, a, a pastor out at the prison. All right. All right. And how, what is it like to meet men who are totally broken? Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that. Very good. I want to talk to me because you get to take, you know, freedom and you get to take hope in the in the prisons. And we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick show. I also want to talk to you about getting your roof fixed. If your roof is leaking, call PI Roofing. You got to call them now and get that get that fixed. Absolutely. The other thing that you must do is call PI Roofing and have them walk your roof so that you know whether it's starting to show its age and maybe you have a leak that's mm, maybe not that far around the corner. They can do that by just walking on your roof. I mean, they'll, they walk, and if you did this, you could you could feel this as well. You're walking across, and it feels real solid, and all of a sudden you hit a squish spot, and it doesn't feel as 
as good as the rest of the roof well that's a problem you want to look at that and make sure and they'll look at it from the top and they'll look at it from the bottom they go inside your attic and start looking at it as to as well check the soffits check the, the turbines on your on your house and those turbines are really important and let me just say people during the winter time sometimes put plastic bags over those turbines that's a no-no don't do that uh, you're letting out the you got to let out that uh, that humidity and stuff that builds up inside your attic if you don't it's going to ruin the wood for your for your roof uh, you'll find that out from joel johnson and his his uh professionals over pi roofing 707-3551 their phone number 707-3551 or visit them online at piroofing.com all right back with you uh, about eight minutes remaining here on a tuesday show tomorrow uh, we'll get underway with rodney rodney's going to be with us we're going to talk about the green new deal you hear him talking about how to you know save energy and things for your house we're going to talk about the green new deal and what the future might have for all of us here in this country if we you know throw our arms around it and make it uh, the the pantheistic god that a lot of people want to make it uh on top of that uh congressman hill at seven o'clock congressman westerman at seven thirty-five. so they'll keep us up on what's going on up there in washington dc and uh, what we should expect I'm hoping to have uh, Senator Bozeman on this week. Uh, if not this week, next week, uh, he will again re- uh, restate to you that he is running for re-election again. Uh, he, you know, all these people that are saying, I want to be Senator of Arkansas, are uh, going to have to wait, just to be honest. Bozeman's going to be there for a while. All right, with that said, uh, Billy is still here. Billy is a pastor out of Tucker max unit here in arkansas now this is in my own mind i've not been to tucker max but here's what i'm thinking people who are in tucker tucker max they call it maximum security for a reason yeah, indeed, indeed and uh you know you, your life is pretty well set out for you every day from the moment you get up to the moment you go back to bed uh there's people that are going to be there for the rest of their lives, and mm-hmm. probably rightly so. Uh, with that said, Billy goes in, a man bringing the gospel to these men who have no hope. And when you come in and you bring them the hope of Christ, uh, how do they receive that first, Billy? Do they laugh at you, or do they do they do they pontificate on it, or or how does it work? So uh, the Prison um, is an interesting situation, and, and here's the reason. Um, those guys have a limited amount of um, access to material, reading material, um, the internet, that, those sorts of things. They, they don't get to sit around all day, every day, um, surfing YouTube or something like that. So what you find is that um, many of them um, have spent have have read the there's a there's a guy out at the max who reads his entire bible cover to cover every two to two and a half months so you can't walk out there um you can't walk out there untested and untried because they will call you uh on inconsistencies pretty quickly but what you do find um is one of two groups of people uh, i guess one of three so there are a significant number that I 
the rules have changed slightly. And, and in the COVID world, it's been 10 months probably since I've been out there. Um, but in a, and wow. before that, well, it's one of those things that when you've got that many people living that close together, they do their best to keep everything out because uh, if, if anything comes in, it spreads like wildfire. Right. Um, so, but you have a whole bunch of individuals. Um, I think there are 850-ish men out at the max um, who don't want to have anything to do with you. They, as a matter of fact, um, if when I go down to lock, uh, to, to, to where the guys are locked down uh, in solitary, um, you can feel a spiritual oppression the moment you walk into there. And most of those guys, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to see you. Um, they're real likely to have some unpleasant things to say about you. Uh, you might get some fluids and such thrown at you. Uh, I've had that happen a couple of times. So they're like the thieves on the cross that. Who even Jesus. There, right. Who okay. even standing there knowing that they are condemned um, just want to lash out. That is, thankfully, a relatively small population. You then have a group um, who are who want hope, but don't believe you can offer them hope. And that's a that's a tough group to deal with because those are really the ones that uh, I want to reach. Right. I mean, those who are looking for a hope. Um, are the ones that I really want to talk to because I know the one who brings hope. Uh, and then, of course, you've got those who are showing up because it's an opportunity to get out of the barracks. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're down there because, and they'll flat out tell you, and I'm not really interested in what you've got to say, but uh, it, it's an opportunity to come here, to come to chapel and get out of the barracks. And so, I never so turned how those many guys of those, away. How many of those have come? And suddenly found what you yeah, had to right. say was very interesting. Right. There, there have been uh, a couple of handfuls uh, over the last three or four years, and uh, I have. There are there are those, and the, the last group of, of course is those who are super dedicated. Right, the, the the guys who are the porters for the chapel, and um, you know, are the reason we were out there to begin with. You know, they're the ones who asked. Um, uh, the chaplain to find someone to come out and do what we do. Um, but it's that it's that second group or that next to the last group um, who think they're just there to get out of their barracks because I'm not changing what I'm preaching just because they're sitting there. And um, we have seen some individuals. Uh, we, we have had a couple of individuals who identified as um, Muslims before we got there. And over the course of a couple of years of uh, talking to them and preaching to them and interacting with them. Um, they've made conversions. We, we've had individuals who have been saved inside prison, and if that is not, um, if that is not what God has called me to do, I don't know what He has called me to do. Um, it is the opportunity to go in and bring light to lives that are, by and large, devastated. Now, don't get me wrong; not everyone who's at the max is a lifer. Um, you've got different classifications, and you've got um, you know, if you had everyone there, if everyone there was. Um, that high, highest classification, you would have a hard time getting things like laundry done and mm-hmm. you know the maintenance done around because the prisoners do all of that. Um, so you've got this mix of the population. Um, but when a guy walks in um, and he is a even a little bit hungry, that is my favorite kind of individual in the world because I know the author of life. Uh, I know the one who brings freedom even when you're imprisoned. Uh, And it is a special privilege for me because 
um, Scripture identifies um, several things that God considers, uh, quote, pure religion. One of those is visiting the orphans and the widows. Mm -hmm. And one of those is visiting prisoners. That's right. Uh, And and look, I I get to go and do something that God specifically identified as, hey, you should be doing this if you want to look like I look like. And that's my goal in life, right? All I want to do is to look as much like the Messiah as I can and spread his message and let the world know that regardless of how dark it is, there is a light to be found. All right. Billy, thanks for being here today. Yes, sir. And thanks for being part of the Bible, guys. It's a great show. Everybody loves this hour on my show. They've been very, very adamant about that. Very few people say, why are you spending time on that? Well, there's a reason for that, and that is you have a spiritual side as much as you have, you know, a political side or whatever, and uh, a lot of times you you hear something that makes a whole lot of sense, and that's what we try to do here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Congressman, tomorrow, as and uh, Rodney's with us about the Green New Deal. That's coming up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Your goodness, you take good care of me.